Welcome to the wonderful world of wine, exploring all things wine with you. We are your hosts, Kim Simone and Mark Lindsay, and you can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Hello, everyone, and Happy New Year. Welcome to the wonderful world of wine. We are starting a new year with each other as we continue to talk about trending topics in the wine world. Happy New Year, Mark. You too, Kim. Can you believe it? 2024. I, I can't believe wow. holidays Time's went fast. really flying. Everything went so quick, but uh, we're back for our first show of the new year. So exciting. Yeah, and the way that we usually kick off the new year, if you are a new listener, is we like to talk about either trending topics that are kind of top of mind right now or kind of a review of the year before. So I think we're going to talk about kind of what are the trending topics as far as purchasing wine Yeah, for how it went last year and maybe some uh, speculation on how it's going to go this year. Yeah, trends we've been seeing at the end of last year and starting this year and we're going to talk about it, let the listeners know what we've seen or are seeing and uh, all things wine. Let's see what That's happens. Right. So there's a, a lot going on with sort of shifting demographics, but also shifting how people are buying wine, what people are buying. And there's a lot of good data out there really to kind of get a grasp on what's going on in the wine world as far as consumer sentiment, what people are buying, what they're looking for. So there's some new things, but there's also some things that we have seen before. And one of the things that struck me, Mark, as we were reading through a whole bunch of articles by the end of the year was why people buy what they buy. And it's kind of a number of factors. You know, it's what does the wine taste like? What's the marketing like? Is it a brand? And that sort of changes through people's age, but also across the world, depending on where you are. Yeah. And it's one of those things Kim and I are always trying to figure out. What are people drinking? What's the trend out there? And what do we need to educate people on? What do we need to stock for people to buy? And it's a battle all the time. Mm. We don't know what the heck is going on. You hear these stories, but you might not see what's going on. But I think the first one we're going to start with, Kim, was that, that people buy based on what the wine looks like. Is that correct? Yeah, the label. The label, which, which you know, we're big label no fans. Absolutely no surprise. <laughs> yeah. And as a wine buyer and a wine geek, I mean, you and I, we look at labels and say, oh, that's a nice label. It draws your attention, right? But we really like to uh, let the listeners know to pay attention to what's inside it. So um, what were some of the stats on this story, Kim, about the labels? So that marketing and branding is very important in wine, just like it is for all sorts of consumer goods. You know, people really do pay attention to sort of an eye-catching design on a label. And I mean, we've we've talked about this, you know, forever and ever. And I tell people there's really no shame in <laughs> in choosing a, a label that catches your eye. Whoever the designer is has done their job. You know, that's what they're paid for is to make something that looks appealing and to get you to take that bottle of wine in your hand. So I don't put anybody down for buying a bottle of wine by what it looks like, but I do like people to have some sort of an understanding of what does that wine taste like? Because 
I feel like from all of our own personal anecdotes, but also things that we read in the press and that we read about how consumers feel about a particular wine, really the taste of the wine is what it comes down to. So I think if we can do that combination of it's a great looking bottle, it's a great looking label, but people have tried it, have liked it and want to come back for more, then that's kind of a winning formula there. Yeah, I don't think many people have told me buy this wine because the label is so cool or it looks cool, <laughs> but that seems to be, you know, 85% of the I don't know, that 19 crimes thing was all about the label. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that started the, the whole reality thing of labels, but 85% of the people in this survey picked wines based sure. on the label, which that's a high amount. Said in the article, they base that on a well-designed label, Kim. So I'm wondering, what is a well-designed label? What does that mean to a consumer? Yeah, that's a good question. It probably varies depending on the wine and consumers' expectations of what's in the wine. You know, see an awful lot of more modern wines kind of have more modern labels, more traditional wines stick to more traditional labels if they're from, you know, more traditional heritage areas. So I think there's a lot of flexibility on the wine label for what a customer is looking for. And we talked in the past, there was a stat out there saying labels that have chateau pictures on them sell a lot because people like seeing the, the chateau picture on the label. Yeah, that romance of the label, right? Yeah. And, and we've seen a lot of studies where certain colors draw people's attention to the label and they market by that. So I'm sure the big brands love this type of survey and market or change marketing based on this, right? This Sounds is like market want, research for them, right? Yeah. People want catchy labels. Or I've seen it, uh, the old trends where they say, well, you know, animals on a label, you know, it all started <laughs> with yellowtail, then dogs were going on the labels. People were buying because there was a dog on the label. So I, I just think it's a trend that keeps going. I'm just so shocked at the number. And I just think surveys like this are just going to keep supporting big guys for branding and future marketing mm. studies. So where do you want to um, go next? Let's talk about a Vine Pair article that was talking about, again, about wine labels and saying, Kim, a way to have a little party with people is huh. to have dramatic readings of the wine labels when you're drinking the wine. So, this was so much fun. <laughs> I figured you'd like this. You like these type of ideas. You always oh, have I almost brought, I should have brought a bottle with me to demonstrate a dramatic reading. <laughs> I, I totally wine. read it wrong when I saw the title, but uh, why don't you explain to the listeners what the vine pair was saying you should do. So it's just poking a little bit of fun about the language on a wine label, be it the front of the label or the back of the label, because you get all kinds. You get the flowery language that just talks about kind of this myth of where this wine is made. And, oh, it's a small town and, you know, we, we walk to work every day kind of thing. It doesn't actually tell you what the wine tastes like, but it conjures up a picture of where you might want your wine to have come from to other wines that are just technical data. And I mean, you can certainly read technical data um, in a humorous way. Uh, and then there was one whole thing about reading all the uh, all the health warnings. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was hysterical. So I might need to uh, bust this out at my, my next book club and make us all uh, do dramatic readings of our wine labels. Yeah. And I, every time I do taste it, I'm always showing the label. But I guess I'm presenting it all wrong. I have to be more dramatic. Yeah. You got to re right? so, read it in like an accent. Yeah. Or, the accent. You know. Italian <laughs> wine. You got to play on the Italian accent a little bit or French wine or something like that. So just a fun way to introduce people in your group to the wine that you're presenting. And I would think it would be a fun night if everybody brought their own bottle 
with that in mind to how to present it in a, in a funny way. So I just thought it was good to bring attention to labels and uh, more about wine. But I think wine it's also, pit. you know, bringing some creativity into your enjoyment of wine. Talk about how does wine taste differently if you're listening to certain kinds of music or if the room is a certain color. And I think that this brings a nice little bit of fun and playfulness into doing a wine tasting. So I might need to integrate this in some activity. Don't you do that type of thing when you have like book club? Like when you're do we dramatically the read books? the books? Yeah, I mean, you, you, in <laughs> a way, should. aren't you doing that with the books? You know, similar. Um, I mean, it we it is for the book, not for the wine. But now I have a new activity, so I think that that's fun. Yeah, you'll have to try and let me know. But we'll have to do a tasting based on something like that. More fun. We like bringing fun into wine. Yeah. Well, let, let's get off the fun now and talk about some consumption oh, no. <laughs> numbers, Kim, that were out in the market uh, the past year. The U.S. is now the world's largest wine market by value. So we can say we have the best selection of wines in the world, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, we have so much around here. So what did you think about some of these trends? Anything scare you or surprise you? I liked that takeaway of the U.S. market being so full of choice. And I like that they kind of started out with that highlight and that sort of positive thing about our market is that there's a lot available here. You know, you can get pretty much anything from any part of the world easily here in the United States as a wine drinker. And I think in a lot of parts of the world, it's a lot harder, especially if you're in a wine area like Bordeaux. You don't have the selection of things from all over the place that we do here. So that's a positive thing. There's been a lot of talk about how the price per bottle that people are purchasing is going up and that different age groups are starting to purchase wine either in a different way or are moving to other beverages. So I think that that has sort of been the trend of 2023 that we have seen the most is this concept that wine drinkers are maybe drinking better wine, but drinking less wine, but that also alcohol consumers are moving more towards spirits and ready-to-drink cocktail items and away from wine. So that's kind of the the big takeaway from a lot of the things we've been reading. Yeah, we've been seeing that for a while where younger people are into the RTDs or the craft beers, so they're not into the wine scene. So wine sales in general are flat. But like you said, Kim, people, they say people are buying better wines, more expensive wines. That's a trend. I just, I don't know. I, I hope it happens, but- um, So it's something you don't feel like you have seen. I see the same type of buying I've always really seen. Hmm. So, but we'll keep an eye on that. I mean, that's something it, they've been saying that for a while. And yeah. wine, I think I have seen the dip in the sales because of, you know, the summertime, the, the RTDs or the seltzers are more popular. People picking up those or, or beer instead of a wine. I can see that. And they, they did also mention, you know, trends change in the wine world. And like we said earlier, it's just hard to keep up. What's coming? What do what is hot right now? What do we got to yeah. keep an eye on? And And that's the whole thing in the the wine world is where are we going and we just keep trying to figure it out and it's oh, hard to predict it's, yeah. it's very hard yeah. to predict yeah and we'd they, be rich we'd be really rich if we could predict what the next trend would be and they're saying they're going to try to market more to the young drinkers to bring them back and i'm not sure that's a good thing for wine because i think they're going to do more social media, like influencing to get the young people back or come up with some wine label brand to, to bring them back. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't really bring much attention to quality wine. But you need to, to start somewhere. 
Yeah. And I forget which of the articles we read as part of our research for this, but there was one that mentioned that you can't start somebody on a dry wine. You need to start somebody who've never had wine or never had any alcoholic beverage at all on something that has some sweetness to it, which I think is why those ready to drink things are so popular too, is with new drinkers, when you have something that has some sweetness to it, it's much more palatable than if you were throwing somebody a dirty martini for the very first time. Right. And I think that wine needs to take a lesson from the wild popularity of ready to drink. And that, you know, when you're introducing somebody to a whole new beverage category, a little bit of sugar goes a long way. Yeah. They don't tell you what type of sugar they, they use. It doesn't matter. It just yeah. has to be well, sweet. It sweet, yeah. <laughs> well, they also mentioned Kim, something about natural wines and low sugar, low-cal wines were confusing for consumers mm. over the past year. Mm-hmm. And we always... You've been hitting on this for a long time now, and I think maybe that confusion's bad for the wine consumer. So this natural wine movement, I still hear it's taking off. Uh, I've seen more retail shops open focusing on that, but I just we've don't definitely see it. seen a significant interest in orange wine, in natural wine. I would say from an education standpoint and from yep. a standpoint of consumers wanting to try something new, we have been absolutely floored by the interest in that category of wine. And the education is probably because it's confusing people, right? They say, yeah. I need to, what's, what but is this But also because stuff, it's right? something that people haven't had before. So it's like, oh yeah, I'll try that. I've heard of that. I would yeah. like to try that. And that always gets us super excited because it's like, yes, here's something new. We're doing our mission. <laughs> you know, We're right. introducing people to new styles and talking to them about it. And even if they don't like it, now they have experience with it. And that's exciting. Maybe they're just not seeing it as much in retail. So they need to reach out to education like yourself yeah. to or really find it. We're just in the right it, place at the right, right? time. Yeah. 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 What about the idea they, they say about the low-cal, low-sugar? You seen any people want education on that or asking um, about them? I've had a few conversations with people about they are interested in lower alcohol things, but it kind of comes at a price. So you can do lower alcohol, but if you have a lower alcohol wine, you need to balance it with something else. And oftentimes that ends up being more sugar. And so if people are trying to be low alcohol and low calorie, are you moving towards a really, really light dry wine? Are you adding an artificial sweetener there to get that sweetness up. So I think that it's a balancing act when it comes to that category. Yeah, I say just stick with what you like. Just drink a little less of it. <laughs> Same effect, right? One of the interesting things I thought it was in this article was the they said the best way to market is digital engagement. And I was thinking, oh, they must mean social media, right? I mean, mm -hmm. so it seems like that's the direction. Then I was thinking, well, geez, if you look at what happened to Bud Light brand mm -hmm. over digital engagement. Well, uh, you still have to know your market. <laughs> yeah, right. So, but I'm just saying there's things that can get you into trouble with digital marketing too. And I, I don't really think, well, that gets back to the young consumer. That's the way they want to go. But I think we need more engagement with people, like you said, to learn their profiles a little bit, some way to engage that way more than just putting junk out there to grab their attention, you know? Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's it's a good 
start of a lot of stories we had there, Kim. A lot that came out of the last year. One of the takeaways that I had, too, was that it seems that there was a long holdover uh, and recovery of the market after COVID. And we seem to have finally come out the other side of that one. So hooray for that. Yeah, things are getting back in stock. People are getting back out. Restaurants are getting back in the groove. So I, I yeah. just heard that recently the restaurants have been a little down. You know, I haven't heard after the holidays, but I have to find out about that. But I heard it's been down. Well, I think it's been hard, too, because it's been hard to hire people. So I know there are a number of restaurants that weren't even able to have all of their table because they have enough staff to staff them all. So that could be your reason why you're not turning over as many tables per night because you just don't have all of your tables opened up. And I know that that has definitely been something that I have experienced in a bunch of my local restaurants when when I go out to eat that, you know, half the restaurant looks empty, but it's not because people don't want to eat there. It's because they just don't have enough staff. You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine, and we are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. For more information about Kim, you can go to her website at commonwealthwineschool.com. For more information about myself, you can go to franklinliquors.com. Our program is supported by Franklin Public Radio. You can find our past episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes, and you can reach us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. We run all the articles we talk about on the air, and a lot of other things. So we're catching up with things we saw the end of last year and trends that are coming up this year. And uh, Kim, there was an Australian study I saw, and it had an interesting Mm. little quote in there or some stats saying the uh, U.S. and Australia buy wine based on price, but Italians buy based on food pairs. Yeah, I loved this, actually. This one little study, but gives you such like cultural insight into how people in different countries buy wine. I actually thought that this was quite fascinating. Yeah, interesting. And all countries buy based on recommendations by someone else that they trust. And taste. And the taste. everybody bought on if it was something that they had had before and they had liked it, then they were very much more likely to purchase it again. That's great. I think that is a great I know. Stat. I love hearing that. <laughs> and buying based on a brand was the fifth most important thing. For Amer- like, for Americans, right? For Americans. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that. I like That's that. a very American thing. We always talk people go to the big brands, but I guess they really don't if it's down on the list, right? Fifth as opposed to like first, right? That's a, that's a good point. And yep. one of the things I thought was interesting too, Kim, was that they said buying based on environmental factors was much less on people's minds. So when we talk about sustainability, maybe or even organics or something like that, it's not really top on people's list when they're buying. For this study or focus. Right. And, and then we've seen other ones that say, you know, depending Total on office. what the generation is, that that actually has has a big impact. So right. I like think we- I, I think that one is one that we need to keep our eye on. Yeah. And it, again, starting the year off telling people, you know, we see one thing one way and then yeah. someone else reports the other way. Of course, the Australians All are the trying time. to get rid of some wine. So you know, they... <laughs> They need to put out all the good stuff they can. That's right. Here, buy our wine. Yeah. So what next, Kim? I think that was all in that Australian thing I thought was interesting. There was one about the world has this glut of wine, Kim. And we we saw a lot of this the end of the year. What was your thoughts on that? 
Yeah. You know, this one is always one that I think is something that pops up from time to time. This idea of there's too much wine or there, there then there's suddenly not enough wine. And I don't know. I, I always am a little wary of any of these reports saying that there's an overabundance of wine in certain areas of the world. I don't know. I Something always seems not sketchy, but like I like that I'm not understanding the information the appropriate way. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, they're saying there's more wine and more choices than ever before. And even with the bad climate, there's a lot of wine out there. They're saying, well, actually, we saw, I want to say two or three stories at the end of the year. Australia was sitting on millions of cases of wine they couldn't get rid of. France was destroying millions of gallons of wine because they had too much of it. I think at times, because if it makes sense if they're saying the trend in buying is has been low, right? I mean, it's it's flat. So that would mean people are still producing. We're getting more countries that are producing. In the United States, we have more states that are producing it. Uh, technology is making it easier if you have a bad vintage to keep the mm-hmm. wine going, right? Yeah. So I can see where we're going to reach a point where there's too much. There's yeah. just too much. But I just, there. I almost feel like this topic Every year we get a, there's too much wine, there's too much wine, there's too much wine. And I feel like I've heard it for so many years that it's like the boy who cried wolf now for me. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. okay, yeah, fine. There's too much wine. I get it. They did mention that some of the surplus from the U.S. used to go to China and Russia, mm. but not anymore because China has very low demand and you know Russia because of Ukraine. I would think that's going to lead to more brands being developed, more maybe second label resources coming about. To move to, that wine. To yeah. move it. Yeah. And it, yep. it might be a good thing in that it would be a little better quality going into those private labels or second labels because th- these people have too much wine and they want to get rid of it. It could be a good thing. But like you said, we don't know true or not. It might be a good thing for the wine world, might be a bad thing, like everything else we talk about. <laughs> So let's talk now an article we saw about expert tip in choosing the perfect wine. And I think they gave like 10 tips of a lot of them. We always push on this show. And the first they were saying you to understand your preferences. So mm-hmm. to build up your palate, know what you like. It helps you find the perfect wine. Yeah, that's always my number one for people is know what you like, but also know what you don't like. And just have some basic words to be able to describe either your preference or know a couple of wines that you've had in the past that you've liked so that you can talk to a wine professional about what those wines were. And then they can hopefully point you in the right direction of something else that you're going to like. So always a lot of good tips out there as far as choosing wine based on just that little bit of knowledge that you have about your personal preference. I liked the second one. Uh, on this list, uh, which is from stylerave.com, by the way. And it was consider the occasion. And I think that's a really important thing, too. It's like you need to know, like, what's the context? What situation is this bottle of wine going to find itself in? Because different wines will work better in in different situations. So I think that that's actually a really smart one to talk about. Yeah, you say that a lot. So I can see why you agree with that. And it's a good thing. A lot of it had to do with, like you said earlier, about learning a little bit more. So learning about a region, learning about a grape, learning how to read the labels, all will lead to you being a better buyer, a better selection in the restaurants. Trying to think if there was anything, you know, they said explore pairing with food, right? Wine pairings. Mm -hmm. Consider the age potential. 
Is that help to choose the perfect wine? I think that's a little maybe broader than people need. I went into this article looking at it as kind of more of a where do I start kind of a place. And I feel like, you know, if you don't even know what you like, then thinking about I'm going to buy a wine to age in my cellar is a little more inside baseball. Yeah. I think good for point. People. Good point. One tip was set a budget, which I that's think is a smart. Good that's thing. a smart one. That's something that anytime someone asks when they're looking for a wine, I'll give them, you know, what price point do you want to be in? And I try to always have things at different price points so people have an yeah. option. And this know. can be a real hard one for people because people don't want, sometimes don't want to admit that they maybe don't have the budget to spend a little bit more money than, than they want to. So, yeah. and it can be a hard conversation to have with someone. So just, I would say as a recommendation for folks on the consumer side, be honest. If you know you don't want to spend more than $10 a bottle, $12 a bottle, be upfront with that. But then also as a little advice to people who are selling wine, you know, don't make people feel bad if they have a budget that might be a little bit lower than you would like to get them to. Because there are good things out there in every price point in a bunch of different styles. I mean, you're not going to find a good big Napa cab at $10, but you might find something else from another part of the world that you'll be perfectly happy with. So I think that there is, I think, advice on on both sides of that uh, that conversation. Yeah. And I didn't see anything they suggested about asking more. When you, what was the one about recommendations in that article? I, I think it was I, just ask for recommendations. And okay. like if somebody in a store is giving you a recommendation, they know what they're talking about. Yeah. Or they should, they should know what they're talking yeah. about. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it's always, even with all the years selling wine, I always am surprised sometimes what people ask when they're looking for a wine. Yeah. So don't, you know, if you have a question when you're, you're seeking your wine, just ask it because I, I enjoy the different approaches people bring when they're shopping for wine. Yeah. And um, I mean, just recently I had someone just came and said, I want unoaked wines because I'm sensitive to oak. I'm allergic to oak. And I'm like, well, that's a new one. Hmm. But then it made me think, okay, I know what I have for unoaked wines, but I really wasn't labeling the way I thought. So mm -hmm. people like these type of questions. So it, it, yeah. you know, it refreshes their thoughts on what they have and helping people. So, you know, just think of that when you're asking, just ask what you want. It's, yeah. I like the adventure of finding wines for people. Sometimes it's a, it's almost like a little scavenger hunt. It's like, yeah. okay, they want this and they want this, but they don't want this. Let's go see what we can find. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it it honestly makes our day a little bit more fun when we have that sort of adventure to our yeah. day. So, so thank you for all the people who yeah. asked the really cool wine questions when we're working and trying to find something cool for you. Your retailer in your restaurant will love that. And like yes. you heard Kim, she likes feedback. Um, so she can base classes on that is what people want to know. Mm -hmm. so, all right. So next we had an article, Trends in the U.S. Retail Market. And once again, wine sales, they say fell a 1% in value, 4.5% by volume. But spirits are up and RTDs are up. Which Yeah, I think this is where, my, where the, my comment about the ready to drinks came from was this article. Yeah, yeah. So this is where you got that number. The average bottle price has gone up. Yeah. Like we talked about earlier. Here's something you must have smiled about, Kim. Sparkling shows growth. Oh, I know. Like sparkling wine is like the hot thing right now. Yeah. Well, that's the good news. The bad news that is, is the good it's news. all Prosecco again, which is still hot for sparkling wines. 
but I'm sure bubbles are still good, but uh, the Italian Prosecco is huge. And they I have no problem with it being Prosecco. (laughs) I I, I drink plenty of Prosecco. It's still popular. And they were saying, interesting enough, white wine is selling more than red, according to this survey. And that one always goes back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it used to be 70, 30 white, and then it switched to red, and mm-hmm. I, they didn't give a percentage or anything, but uh, saying it's it more white, and they were saying more people are preferring Italian wines, and of which whites in the $8 to $11 range are popular, and I would think that's because of Prosecco. Yeah, maybe. Right? It's in that $10 range. Do you think they're including Prosecco in that stat? I would assume. Because I was wondering that Italian myself. Wine. I know, yeah. but then but then they had already separated out sparkling. Yeah, and but yeah, yeah, true. They said sparkling before. Yeah. So Red's I wonder. Red's in the eight to eleven dollar and fifty dollar wines are selling from Italy. So <laughs> big big jump there. I was a little surprised by the Italy stat, but if it is in fact a lot of it being prosecco, that makes a whole lot more sense. Because I was That's like, what I'm, I was like assuming, I'm like, people aren't drinking that much Cavett Pinot Grigio, are they? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> uh... I'm just assuming that's where yeah. why it was that number. But yeah. like you said, they did cover sparkling separate. So maybe they, but mm. uh, I don't see Italian whites other than the Pinot Grigio in that price point being really popular, like yeah, you I said. Kind of had you me scratch my head a little bit. You can find some nice Italian reds in that price point that mm-hmm. uh, are good values versus California right now. And on-premise Italian wine is most preferred. See, most that preferred. one I get. I was just a little surprised by Italy still being the... I don't know, the the corner of the American market, but I guess it does kind of go back and forth, you know. I didn't sometimes write it's down France, sometimes it's Italy. The publication for this. Did you write down uh, the publication for this? Because I'm wondering, was it an Italian magazine? <laughs> you know, the tricking us here? Yeah, let me find it. Some reason I didn't this, write down the source. It was not the wine searcher one. This was interesting. They said that Italian wines in restaurants is leading in California and New York. I can see New York, but interesting people going in, out to eat in California. Uh, there was a lot of Italian wines out there right. on the list. So that was so. This came from the Wine to Wine Business Forum. Okay, so is that an American thing? A very good question. It does seem like it's a little bit of a wine PR thing. Yeah. I mean, we find so much out there. I don't know. We had that conversation last year with uh, our data guy, David, and saying about, you know, stories you see out there and where they come from and how do you trust them. Yeah. But yeah. So I like to hear in some of that. So we'll we'll go with it. Yeah. Right. (laughs) <laughs> and we have nothing bad to say about Italian wine, so yeah, we yeah. can we can totally run with that. That's right. All right. The, I think right. one of the last articles was the thing I don't like seeing, you know that, Kim, about the wine giants are weighing down the market. Right. But this what had a twist think? to it, though. What did you think? So this article was saying that it's that the drop in consumption or sales of wine is not that people are not buying wine, is that the sales from those really big names in the market that own most of the market share when it comes to wine, that those are the ones that are kind of falling down. But the little guys are still doing pretty well. So I don't know how accurate the research was for this one. I think it's a positive spin, perhaps. But it did sort of make me scratch my head a little bit like, Hmm, why are you the only one saying this, you know? Yeah. And I like that you said accuracy because anytime I see something that talks about the big 
uh, wine brands. I wonder, are they looking at all sides of retail or are they just looking mm. at one side of retail? Mm -hmm. Right. Because they were saying they are selling less. So, of course, that means the volume in wine is going right. down from them. And then they had a couple of comparisons saying in 2012, they had 78 percent of the wines on stores. Now, it's right. Like of the market share. Right. Yeah. And then they in they also had 74 percent of wines in supermarkets. But now they only have 60 percent. So does that mean the bigger stores are now trying to put in a little more selection and getting away from the big brands a little bit, well, which would I, lead to I, their drop in volume. I think the question is, what is that being replaced with? Is it being replaced with other wine brands uh, or is it being replaced RTD with or, RTD? Is it yeah. being replaced with seltzer, you know, hard seltzers? Is it being replaced with craft beer? I think that's the bigger question is yes, what are yeah. people buying instead it's good we think different here because I, yeah. I was thinking it's a good thing. Maybe they're looking at smaller brands now, but you're right. It could just be other products. But I would hope that, wine. you know, a researcher would have thought of that. <laughs> it's yeah. that it actually is still wine consumption, just different brand wine consumption. And they mentioned in this article, the big the giants, they were saying the big seven. I've only really always heard the big five. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you always talk about the five when yeah, you do. Yeah, I always talk about the five, and, and they were saying considered Bronco wines in <laughs> there. And I, I, I mean, to me, it's just Gallo Constellation Wine Group, but they also mentioned Trinchero, Delicato, Treasury, and Bronco. So yeah, those I can the, see that too. I mean, guys. they they are they have pretty big market share as well. Yeah. So well. I mean, and I think with the Bronco thing, they still have Trader Joe's, right? I believe so. Yeah. I always get mixed up because Franzia sold. Uh, yeah. I know. I get confused too. All these things. And then in to end the year last year, Gallo just bought uh, Brombauer. So mm -hmm. th they're, they're trying to buy some of the bigger independent brands to yeah. beef up their portfolio. So it's kind of scary in a way, but I don't know, just another thing going on the wine. So- I think that was it for the articles to start the year, Kim. We kind of updated the listeners what's going on yeah. here, right? We have a lot of uh, interesting interviews scheduled in uh, 2024, so I hope the listeners will stay tuned. We're bringing guests on all the time now, and we'll always keep up with the other articles we see out there. Anything There's... else, Kim, on trends or things you no, want to tell just, the listeners to start you the know, year? You know, I feel like it's finally calmed down a little bit after covid and things we've all kind of gotten our feet again and it's great that the restaurant sphere has started coming back it's good to see some creativity in the market as well younger people people in their 20s and 30s kind of getting into it as well and and i love to see the enthusiasm of committed wine drinkers but also brand new wine drinkers so i'm uh, approaching the beginning of the year with a positive outlook and we'll see what 2024 holds Thank you for listening to us today on The Wonderful World of Wine. We have been your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone. We are supported by Franklin Public Radio. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. And our past episodes are on SoundCloud and iTunes. Cheers. Cheers.